0: Hello, and welcome back to the Smoking Snake Podcast, episode sixty seven of the only english language podcast all about brazilian football uh, i'm your host peter and we are joined as always by enric we are back we had a little hiatus enric and i both were really busy uh i probably need to take more uh, of the blame there but uh we are back it feels so good uh in the meantime we dropped a great episode with eduardo bisbo commentator for Brasileiro play uh in english uh all about his life and his journey in football, and even uh, coming to the U.S. and living here in Detroit, where Enric and I are based, so just crazy the connections that we've made uh, with both our, you know, our home cities. Uh, it's just, it's just crazy, and it's just, just, just reaffirming the fact that I think that something really good uh, has come out of this podcast already, and I think more stuff will will come out. But uh, before we jump into the episode, we've got a good one. So much to cover. Let's go to Enric. Say hi, Enric. What's going on, man? How are you? How have you been staying uh, busy in this time where uh, we took maybe, I don't know, like a week and a half off, two weeks
1: almost? Hey, Peter. Yeah, it's been like two weeks. It's been a long time since we last talked and so much has happened. And that's why in this episode, we're going to be all over the place. Match week 23, 24, Brazil quarterfinals, Copa do Brazil finals, Serie D, and also some crazy score lines from match week 15. And yeah, I'm very excited, and I can't wait to talk about these games.
0: Yeah, we had that absolute barn burner of a match, uh, that makeup match, Grêmio and Corinthians, so so good. Uh, but before we get to all that, like we've been saying, we've been off for a while. We had the international break, which is where why we took a break. Sal-sal, uh eked out uh, two wins. One was very convincing against one of the worst teams in South America. One uh, away was. Not convincing, uh, but it still goes down as three points, Enric. Brazil five, Bolivia one, and Peru nil. Brazil one, two results, I think, here that we kind of expect. Uh, remarkable here though, especially the Bolivia one, for two reasons one, of course, it's Denise's first game in charge, um, uh, his first squad selection, all the drama going on with that, but also. We have a new record alert. Uh, the top score of the Celisau is no longer the King Pelé. Uh, he has uh, been uh, overtaken by our current number 10, Neymar. Uh, it didn't go exactly as planned, if you watched the game, uh, but still, what a, a historical night.
1: Yeah, and what a crazy game this was. I think the first time since the uh, World Cup semi or quarterfinals when we lost to this group was together because before that we were playing Morocco, we were playing with young teams and young players. And yeah, for this in this game, we had a chance to see the, the players that we're going to be used to seeing in the coming matches when it really matters. And in this game against Bolivia... It started not in the best way. Neymar was awarded a penalty kick, and I think the Bolivia keeper knew of the Neymar's method of shooting the penalty kick, and he saved it. And maybe on the other side, Neymar wasn't really excited to score and break that penalty record with a penalty. He wanted to score a real goal, and that's why he missed it. But... Uh, it was crazy because uh, minutes after that, he was denied a Puskas award-winning goal, similar to the match against Internacional in 2011. And the only thing missing was the finish, and the keeper was there to save it. Uh, Richardson had an unfortunate night. He was seen crying in the bench after the substitution, and you really got to feel bad for him. Uh, he said that after these international matches, he's going to go through uh, to a therapist and talk about his life and everything and that's why we saw him even with Spurs um, he came on I believe last week and equalized the match uh, against Brentford I believe in the 90th minute and then gave the assist to Paris to get the winner so I'm really glad he's back but yeah other than that Neymar's two goals uh, make it 79 for the national team and sees him uh, ahead of the top goal scorer in history uh, against Pelé as you said Peter so 77 for Pelé, 79 for Neymar, really glad to see that. And hopefully before he retires, we're going to be able to see him score the hundred goal. Ederson uh, on the other side, uh, he was unable to keep a clean sheet and maybe it would have been cool to see a 5-0, but uh, yeah, Geniz has seemed very pissed and that's why in the game against Peru... Things changed, and even Ederson, I think he really tried to keep a clean sheet, which he did, but the team struggled overall. It was not a good performance and a match beating a Celestal fan. Brazil was denied two goals in the first half for offside. Casemiro, he had a very poor performance and surprised that he wasn't taken off uh, for 90 minutes straight. Um, uh, The goal didn't come until the 90th minute when a header from Marquinhos went in, similar play that they practiced in the training ground and I think Neymar even tried that in the second half uh, you would see Danilo moving on and try to score in a similar position but wasn't able to as soon as that second half started but finally Marquinhos gets us the winner and it reminded me of that winning goal against Colombia in Copa America two or three years ago when we were tied 1-1, Luis Diaz for Colombia had scored that uh, amazing goal and Casimiro came out of nowhere and got that winner. So again, two very contrasting matches. I'm very happy that we get the six points as Brazil sit first uh, in the table, uh, same as Argentina. So I can't wait to see how these matches will go, and hopefully Brazil ends up where they currently in in the table.
0: Yeah, let's let's hope so. Two wins, uh, like you said, Argentina also two wins. Um, Kind of the only drag, I mean the game against peru was was not good they are of course way from home only 3 shots on target peru didn't make it easy on them uh but it just wasn't great viewing um unfortunately andre getting no minutes i thought he'd at least get it, make a cameo uh like you said especially as casemiro wasn't playing that well uh but uh but not the case uh but uh the results are all that matters for now um and th- uh 6 points on the board for brazil in the qualifiers so Good stuff. All right, Enric, let's shift to the main reason why we do this podcast. Campeonato Brasileiro, the Brasileiro uh, was back. We have two match weeks to cover um, and we're going to kind of, we're going to be, like Enric said, a little bit all over the place. We're going to kind of go more by team and theme and, and things like that. So uh let's start off with one of the hottest teams in Brazil right now. Uh, That is, of course, Athletico Parnaense. Uh, they've gone 10 games unbeaten in the league, five wins, five draws, and they had another two wins here in the past two um, uh, fixtures. And let's start off with a uh, thumping. They gave Flamengo 3-0. Athletico visiting Flamengo, um, I believe, in the state just north of Rio, uh, Espirito Santo. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, Flamengo was the home team, but, of course, their, their fan base – extends far beyond Rio, um, and they were playing this game here, but, man, they got slapped.
1: Yeah, they definitely did, and I was very surprised to see that because in the first round of matches, Flamengo had lost 2-1 in Atletico Paranense Stadium, so I thought that here maybe Flamengo will seek revenge, and it seems like it was completely the opposite. Atletico Paranense was attacking from minute one. They had chances of scoring. And finally, in the 27th minute, a goal came from Kaká with a C for Atletico Paranaense. He gets a goal in the first half. And the second is not different because in the 67th, uh, Gabigol was sent off. Second yellow, yellow, he elbowed the opponent in the face. I thought it was a bit harsh from the referee, but that's the rule. And he gets sent off and maybe the game would have been completely different if he had had, had not gone off. So uh, Atletico Paranaense uses this for their advantage. They score not one, but two goals, one with Alex Santana and then the 90th minute uh, penalty kick by Vitor Bueno, 3-0 victory for Atletico Paranaense, and huge credit to Leo Linky as well, the second keeper who has been substituting Bento for these couple last matches. He had a very impressive game, kept a clean sheet and yeah, he did the impossible not to let Flamengo score. 22 years old, by the way, six feet, uh, five inches tall, very tall, and even like three inches taller than Bento. I think so. I can't wait to see what they're gonna do. And just wondering, Peter, uh, why do you think these uh, Atletico Pranense are producing so many great goalkeepers in the in the in the past, like Bento, Leolinki and maybe some more in the future as well? Do you think like uh they're doing something different in comparison to other teams, or is it just like out of nowhere that this is happening?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you think also, I mean, a a counterpoint maybe could be uh, the keeper Santos, who's at Flamengo now, not doing as well. Um, And you think maybe that mm, the defense here is doing uh, the keeper some favors. Uh, Well, at least maybe in Santos's case. Uh, But Bento, I mean, he's the real deal for sure. He's going to be a sell-sell keeper alongside Lucas Perry in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I I really don't know. I mean, you see the same you see a similar thing with Santos you could say uh good goalkeeping staff is my guess uh but yeah, Leolinky, um a, a nice a nice keeper there that's that's stepping in in the place of bento um just just one of those things I guess I, I I don't know something in the water as we like to say about uh the Santos youth Academy um but yeah, just going back to the game really quick, totally like, uh was not expecting this. Athletico part are a great team, but Flamengo um just looked flat. They looked stagnant. And Gabby Goals, we'll get to a little bit later when we talk about Flamengo. Um provoking and evoking the ire of a lot of the fan base. He gets the red here, and you can say, yeah, maybe it was a little harsh. Uh, but uh he does uh hit the showers early and uh, it cost his team, and and just looking at the scoreline, you could also, like Enric, you said, two goals coming late. You could even say, you know, someone looks at this this uh, this scoreline and sees, oh, uh, you know, it was really one nil up until the 84th minute, so it must have been a close game. Like, absolutely not. You look at the a- XG, uh, Flamengo had a, a half a goal, uh, compared to uh, about two and a half for, for Athletico Paranaense. so just goes to show you what. Difference there was in the quality of the chances and, and the quality of the attacks. Flamengo, uh, obviously missing tons of players uh, uh, GDA, Georgian de Hascaeta, Bruno Henrique, Erta Lucas, but still no excuse. They have to be doing better. Um, and uh, again, we'll get to it a little bit later, but they might find themselves in a little bit of a crisis. Um, additionally, Enric Atletico, keep it rolling with another win over Internacional. Uh, In match week 24, 2-1 is the score. Late, late winner. Again, scored in the 84th versus Flamengo. Scores in the 90th uh, versus Inter. Alex Santana uh, coming in and scoring, playing uh, playing the role. But this game was significant on a very
1: unfortunate level. Um, Enric, tragic injury here. Definitely. Vitor Roque injured, sprained ankle and already ungo- undergoing treatment. Uh, the good thing is that he will not need to go through surgery and will be back in around 30 to 40 days. So uh, we'll see him in the late October, beginning of November. So he's definitely going to have at least one or two months uh, play time in Brazil before he makes the move to Barcelona in January. And uh, Looking at the game, uh, in the 24th minute, Eric, uh, he chests the ball up in the air, smacks it in, and there was no chance for Roche to save that. Very good goal, but also on the other side, De Peña had a golazo from outside the box and he shot it with the outside of the foot, so he made it 1-1. But as you said, Peter, Alex Santana finally got the goal for Atletico Paranaense in the 90th minute after two, uh, posts back-to-back, uh, one that was by jaguar Eleno and i believe the other one was by canobio so they both hit the post one hit the left one hit the right and finally that goal went in and very much deserved for atletico Paranaense. two wins in a row for them after uh Multiple dry, draws or ties in the last couple of matches. Finally, they're back in winning ways, and they do that here at home against a tough team. Maybe that a team that's not really doing great in the Brasileirao, Rau, but they are definitely doing so in the Copa Libertadores as they find themselves in. So Inter, might, they might be preparing for something big in the Continental Cups, you never know. But Atletico Paranans is so far doing an amazing job in the Brasileirao.
0: Yeah, and I'm on record. I think they're a paper tiger. I don't think they're that good. And, and yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But really unfortunate, that injury. Shocking tackle um, to, to Victor Roque. And, yeah, there was – I mean, people were assuming the worst. They thought that would have been his last game for Athletico Paranaense. Uh, you know, but – so hopefully he does uh, rejoin by the end of the season because we cannot let him leave Brazil like that. I mean, he's been tearing it up. <clears> Athletico, <throat> of course, have been – performing on his his back um and he's been so so good so uh best of luck i'm sure he'll heal quickly uh but uh but really just really unfortunate <laughs> if i were the guy that tackled him i would have security around me 24/7 because uh, the you know the furcao fans will be will be hunting for that guy um all right so with that Athletico jump flamengo in the standings they're up to 6 Flamengo in seventh now. Oof. Uh, their fans are not happy. But let's move it on to Sao Paulo. Uh, let's start in the Brasil. Uh, they also faced Inter, this time in Match Week 23. And kind of eating my own words here, Inter yum away with the win. Uh, two goals, so kind of a comeback win in the second half. Um, and... Yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about this one. I I was just shitting on them, and here they are beating a team that I really like and think that are underperforming. Sao Paulo.
1: Yeah, and I think in this case, Sao Paulo was preparing himself for what's to come in the Copa de Brazil. Uh of course they had their main starters, but they weren't really focused in this match as if they really needed the three points. And as uh Marisa Destri, our friend said, uh Sao Paulo, hopefully they don't qualify for Libertadores uh through the league table. Hopefully they'll do they will do it uh by winning the Cover of Brazil, and that's what they seem like they're aiming for. Uh despite despite finding themselves 13th uh in the league at the moment. Um, the goal that came by Kaleri as a penalty kick was a very bad tackle and mistake by Kaler to give that away. Uh, Internacional in the second half was clearly the better side that deserved to win. And that's why we saw uh, Fabian Bustos in the 59th and also Rene with a rocket thrown towards goal, scoring two goals for Internacional, uh, giving them the, the win, the important three points. And then it's all about the final, the Cobra Brazil final between Flamengo and Sao Paulo. What a game this was. Maybe not the most of chances that we used to see in the, Braz- in the Brazil, but Rafinha and Darvill Jr. make the return to Maracanã. Uh, Durival Jr. had previously won Copa do Brazil with uh, Flamenguistas last year in the stadium. So now he comes back as a rival. And what a way to do it. Um, the goal comes from Caleri, as they say, pass it to Caleri and he will score. Game, the goal comes in the same exact time as the goal that he scored against Inter. Ayrton Lucas uh, for Flamengo, I think he did a poor job. He tried to dive in the box for a foul while he could just he could have just marked his opponent, uh, Caleri. But no, Caleri is by himself. He scores. The Flamengo keeper, Mateo Cunha can can't do anything to stop that. And then you got Gabigol, um not being the player that he used to be, and he even got whistled by his supporters while coming off. So, yeah, not good scenes. And at this point, uh, you would probably consider Sao Paulo the winners of Cobra Brazil as they play the second leg at their home stadium, right, Peter?
0: I You cannot count Flamengo out. do I don't say it like that. But, I mean, yeah, they're in a great position. Uh, they have the upper hand, but a goal, just a goal uh, – up on Flamengo uh despite their current crisis despite the the clashes uh with the with the fans uh, it's it's just too perilous a position i think you can't you can't write anything off but i was going to ask you and i that was my next question i mean can they get it do you think do you think Flamengo stands much of any chance i mean they're in some turmoil uh but i mean look their roster they've got some of the best players if not the best players the best roster in brazil um you've got dynamic players that maybe aren't in form right now but gabriel barbosa pedro bruno henrique i mean that that front three is just so dangerous you have got gerson uh behind young guns wesley uh victor hugo you know uh, just are you counting them out or what's i'm just gonna give me a prediction for for the uh the second leg (laughs)
1: Well, for me, I always say that uh, wherever the game is played in the second match, they're the team that's probably going to get out as winners, and Sao Paulo will do that, and even if the game had ended 0-0 in Maracanã, I still would have thought that Sao Paulo was going to do it, and they're going to win the Copa de Brazil, but now that they are in advantage they have they have already won and the fact that they will play in Morumbi it's a very tough stadium to be in and we all remember what happened against San Lorenzo and Corinthians both of these teams were in advantage and when they played in Sao Paulo Stadium they saw themselves knocked out and I expect nothing less from Sao Paulo against a team like Flamengo that has been struggling so much since the beginning of this year in the Recopa, Copa in the Club World Cup in the Carioca everywhere they've been in they've sort of choke the finals or the games they have played against big rivals and I expect nothing less and yeah I think there's no 90% sure that Sao Paulo will be the winners despite who Flamengo play in this game even if they bring Lionel Messi or Neymar
0: <laughs> all right I like it I like it I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw listen I'm I'm with you I think Sao Paulo are gonna capture the Copa of Brazil Um and I think it'll be maybe something like a 2-1 win Uh, I think it'll be a little bit closer and I think Flamengo are going to try to dig deep, but I think they're, I agree. I think they're going to come up short. All right. uh, Moving on to Santos, 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 Santos. All right. Enric, Eric, we've said for weeks now, these this segment of games is so, so important. They have disappointed us up until these two matches uh, we're going to go over one more than the other, but let's just start with Santos hosting Cruzeiro. Again, needing to get that win. Coming up short, and not just a little short, extremely short, a 3-0 victory for Cruzeiro. Uh, so that's Santos 0-3, no, if you want to properly say it. Uh, when Nikau is scoring against you, uh, it's never good. Um, bad results, bad performance, and just... Horrific stuff at home. Diego Guguri canned after that result. uh, And we'll get Marcelo Fernandez as the intro manager. After that, I was ready. I was cutting the holes in my brown paper bag to put over my head. uh,
1: But we got a little breath of air in the next result. Yeah, and this was a very different contrast of games, sort of what we talked about Brazil. Santos losing 3-0 in the first leg as or in the first match of this week, as you we talked about. We've been talking about Rafael Cabral all year long. When is he gonna return? When he's gonna make the the play and do that, play his game in Villa Belmira since 2013. And he came back, he made the return as a rival. And if the two one loss away from home was bad in the first round of matches that we talked about, let alone what this 3-0 was gonna be in our stadium. So I got nothing much to say, just very poor performance, especially at home. I expected Santos to at least get a draw, but then you get the surprise away from home against the Bahia team that had previously won, I believe, 4-2, and with Rogério Seni in charge, and this was going to be his first ever match in Bahia Stadium. So um, Santos started the game very dangerous right from the beginning. Marcos Leonardo hit the post in the first minute, but he was offside and yeah lucas lima he also missed a wonderful opportunity right before halftime he slowly passed it to the goalkeeper's gloves and, and out of nowhere in the second half bahia makes it one nil amazing strike though towards goal and really deserved um our keeper João paulo couldn't do nothing to prevent that and it seemed like If we wanted to win it was going to be in our strikers or attackers hand and that's exactly how it went marcos leonardo had a header and gave santos the equalizer and even if the game ended 1-1 i think that would have still still been good despite us having the opportunity to get three points which we did at the end uh in the 93rd minute force was at the right moment and the right place and he was there to give Santos the winner, the winning goal, uh, similarly as he did against Gremio. So Santos scores one more uh goal, more than two goals away, or at least two or more for the first time since November 2nd of last year. Uh if you remember that 3-2 win against Atlético Guyaniense. So it's been a long time. I think away from home, we have had like three goals total all year, and now we scored two in the same match very happy for that and hopefully now santos are going to come back and make their jump up the table currently in 17th still not really worrying because we're only one point away from bahia as they seem to be a little worse than us so we got another team below us though vasco de gama they are also doing good and hopefully uh if it's meant to be santos and bah- and vasco can both escape relegation and bahia and goias maybe they go down and everybody's gonna be happy. But other than that, I think this game was very impressive. And I don't remember the last time I've been this excited talking about Santos, feeder. it's been a long time. And yeah, this was a great match and uh, a great game watching as a Santos supporter.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is is something that um, I was not expecting, especially when we conceded, I, like I said, I was ready to just pack it all in and accept the the demotion, the first relegation in our history. Uh, but like you said, we rode our strikers, Marcus Leonardo, of course, firing in goals. I was looking at some stats. Uh, I think he's scored the most goals of any Brazilian striker in all competitions this season. Uh, could be wrong, um, but one of one of the, Brazil's best. And uh, you know, we thought he was going to move to Roma this past window, um, and he's not. Uh, he's going to stay until at least January. And let me say, just, we better be getting more than that 20 million that, that Roma was going to give because this guy is, is just insane. And then, like you said, Julio Ferk, Argentine comes in, uh, from, uh, Liga MX in, uh, uh, I think it was that Atlas, um, scored, I think only two goals for us so far, but both have been last minute winners the, against Gremio and against, uh, uh um, Bahia now, uh, so crucial just so clutch he's mr added time uh the emperor as they call him uh so good and yeah like you said i mean just this small win three points uh but it really just it's done a lot for spirits i think um it's kind of made a hero out of Marcelo Fernandes, uh the interim manager uh some people really like him some people just think you know one result it doesn't mean anything i kind of got caught up in that but uh, yeah, I think we do need a more long-term option, but honestly, for now, uh, he might not be the worst—the worst option. Uh, I'm seeing names floated around: Fabio Carilli uh, coming in from Japan, um, even <laughs> Jorge Sampaoli if he uh, if he leaves Flamengo. But I don't know about those guys. I don't even know that's realistic. But I I really think that Marcelo might be the least worst option right now. Um, he gets the win, I guess, against the team you'd expect us to beat, but maybe not away and definitely not in our like this, you know, this year. So uh, we are just that one point behind him. Uh, it's still going to be tough. Vasco, we'll talk about them in a little bit, but they're surging. Goyas are kind of falling, but they're tough. And Bahia, they've been kind of off and on. So uh, we'll have to see where that goes.
1: Yeah, and talking about the manager, I hope he stays as well. Uh, he was giving a little time here and there throughout the season and even last year, but I tweeted about this. I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, his win percentage for Santos so far is 43.55%, and it's already better than what Odair Hellman had with 32% and Fernando Geniz with 37 And also Kuka, who remembers that impressive run in Libertadores. Uh, Kuka ended up with 40% winning Probability. So, from Marcelo Fernandez to do it with his team or his players at 43, uh, it's very good. I like the formation we played in. I believe we had three defenders, three, four, three, or something like that. And we had our normal strikers, uh, Marcos Leonardo, we had Soteldo. So, I'm really glad to see both of these guys starting at the same time. And Julio Fuerk, I hope to see him as well from minute one. He's been always coming back or coming from the bench. So, I can't wait to see what this guy can provide uh, if he scores goals in five minutes, imagine what he can do in 90 minutes. So yeah, it's going to be great. And hopefully Marcelo stays with us for a long time.
0: Yeah, we'll, 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 see. He'll definitely be around behind the scenes on the staff. I, you know, we'll see if he stays in the head position. Um, all right. So new life into Santos uh, Fortaleza don't need any new life blown into them. They've got Four wins from their last five, including these two wins in match week 23 and 24, beating some high profile Sao Paulo teams, uh, Corinthians uh, in in match week 23 and match week 24, they beat uh, Sao Paulo, Uh, Lucero or Lucero, I'm not sure it's Lucero actually, Uh, leading the way two goals in each of these games, really impressive stuff from him. Fortaleza team, they are no joke under Voivoda, no secret that I'm a big fan of his. Um, they are dangerous, huh, Henrik?
1: Yeah, they definitely are. And a player that's also coming back to his glory, uh, it's a former Santos player, Marinho, who's been amazing ever since he moved to Fortaleza. And I'm really glad to see that because he deserved it. He deserved playing time and he deserved more faith in him and that's exactly what he can provide. Maybe he didn't score against Corinthians or Sao Paulo, but you would always see him and with crazy shots and crazy chances. So I'm very glad for Fortaleza that they're doing good, but also Marino, a player that I really remember as a Santos supporter.
0: Yeah. And, and um, also in, in match week 23, uh, we got a little taste of the Copa Sudamericana uh, semifinal between Corinthians and Fortaleza. Uh, Fortaleza getting the better of them here. So we'll have to see if Corinthians can do Uh, can do anything against them in the semifinal Fortaleza. I know would love to get their hands on a trophy uh, as they continue to really impress and move up the, the tiers of Brazilian football. I, I mean, of course they've got the loyal fan base, the incredible stadium, uh, incredible environment, but uh, you know, on paper you wouldn't really think of Fortaleza as as a big Brazilian club uh, in terms of, you know, past glory on a national scale or even international uh, but it looks like they could be heading for that. So again, really, really impressive stuff from them. Voivoda, you know, great. I'm a huge fan. Disappointing from Sao Paulo, especially at home. Uh, the one, I guess, uh, positive you could say is also maybe washed out by the fact that he also missed the penalty, but Hamas Rodriguez scores for Sao Paulo, uh, although he missed the penalty earlier. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's left on the bench for a few games, didn't even come off the bench. So he's kind of been, um, uh, I don't know, uh, we're going to have to wait to see what the full you know, effect of that transfer was going to be. It was a big name coming in with a lot of expectations, but I don't know that he's really lived up to the hype yet.
1: Yeah, and even before he had that chance of a penalty kick, I was even thinking to myself, the like, three signings that Sao Paulo has brought in, Lucas Mora. He has been like fire so far, 10 out of 10 performances. But then you got to compare James with Pato because Pato, honestly, he's been scoring goals, but he hasn't really been good for Sao Paulo either. So I was thinking, who's been doing worse so far? And I thought to myself, yeah, it's got to be James Rodriguez, no goals so far. Or maybe he had scored before, but yeah, he hasn't done great. He was the reason why they got eliminated uh, from the Sudamericana after that penalty kick miss. And then he missed the penalty here once again. I'm glad that he at least had the chance to score, but it's not looking good for James Rodriguez. And he's got to step up his game. And you would even think that these could be the reasons why it didn't turn up well when he was at Everton and Olympiacos, everywhere he went ever since uh, playing for Real Madrid. So, yeah, things have to change. And hopefully we see a James' goal uh, in the Cobra Brazil coming up in the in the finals. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Kind of, I, he's you know he's a question mark still, and and yeah, if he could bang one in in the final, get his hands on a trophy in in Brazil, I think that would be that'd be great. Because I really like the player. I think he's got to adjust his fitness a little bit. I think I, I said it on the podcast. He looked just a little bit overweight, and you know who are we to judge him as a professional athlete? But we're obviously not. But uh, but yeah, just maybe a little bit. But we'll see if he comes true or comes good. Um, all right, Red Bull Bragantino again, two wins here. Uh, underrated team, you could say, uh, a team that doesn't have a lot of pedigree in terms of uh, national success, and they found themselves. We we keep laughing about how far up the table they're. They're in fourth now. They got three wins in their last four, undefeated in their last four as well, and uh, they beat. Uh, America, which is maybe you'd expect, but also Gremio, who are just above them in the table in third place. Uh, really nice wins here.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what Rebel is doing differently. We saw him in the, of the police Paulista. They weren't promising. Even their keeper, I forget his name, Clayton, he had a big mistake in a game that they played, I believe, against Ituano. And now he's been popping up. Uh, two goals for the Red Bull against Gremio, keeps a clean sheet. Uh, The same thing happens against America. And we got Lucas Evangelista scoring for Red Bull again. So I'm really happy to see that. A Sao Paulo team that maybe we don't hate, but we're happy to see them advance. And hopefully they even pass Palmeiras, who currently are in the second position. So yeah, Red Bull has been doing too, too well uh, we also have to talk about Goyas, maybe not having the best performances, especially against Palmeiras, conceding that last-minute goal by Brenner Lopez. But then they played at home, a stadium that the only team that has been able to beat them when it comes to tough opponents was Palmeiras in match week 3 or 4 when they lost 5-1. Other than that, they have either won or tied against their opponents, and that's exactly what they did here against Flamengo. 0-0 in match week 24, and Guias currently sitting in uh 15th spot with 26 points, four draws in their last five games, which is pretty well. But they got to do better than that, at least get one win if they want to escape relegation. Because if they don't, then Santos and Vasco da Gama are there to make substitutions with them and get them sent off in the second division. So, yeah, things are looking good for Red Bull. Uh, Guias also very well at home, but need to improve their game whenever they're playing away as well. Yeah
0: and you know they're they're collecting points like you said but uh with with Vasco surging and hopefully Santos surging uh we could maybe see them uh join the uh the relegation zone but um you know I, I think this is a good time to zero in on Flamengo um this result of course was uh did not go their way <laughs> to say the least and this is after the Copa do Brazil this is after um, uh, the the shocking other result where they lost against the Paranaense, And just after a long laundry list of of really poor results, Sampaoli under pressure, they've got the Pedro situation and it all has been boiling over. Fans so mad at Gabriel Barbosa um, and just demanding more from their team and then they go out to Goyas. Uh, again, their XG didn't even reach one uh about a half a goal here in terms of expected goals uh really poor performance of course away at home like you said Goyas are good at home uh but you know Enric I'm wondering uh with this lineup listen they should be beating pretty much anyone in this in this in this tournament but let me just read you the list of players that missed this match and some of their injuries we've got Gabriel Barbosa and Wesley Franza both suspended for this match against uh, Goyas. Felipe Luis, Georgian De Hascaeta out injuries. Luis Araujo out with injuries. Allen out with injuries. Varela out with injury. Hulgar out with injury and Leo Pereira out with injury. So they had missing like a, a, a full starting 11. Just absolutely insane. Um, we saw today just boiling over insane rage of the flamengo fans attacking their president Marcelo Braz in the shopping mall a-, a fan i guess said something to uh, Braz and uh the guy a guy obviously didn't like it and he's saying you know there's discrepancy on who attacked who whatever but the guy basically got in a fight and had to hide in like a sephora in the mall or something like that and i think it was a pandora jewelry store so just really i mean shocking we don't want to laugh about that but just the guy got attacked like it's just it's a full-on meltdown. But seeing that list of missing players, especially for this match against Goyas, they had a bunch of missing players recently too. Are Flamengo fans overreacting, or do you think this is justified? And do you want to see some heads roll? Uh, maybe not only Sampaoli, maybe not only uh, you know players leaving like Gabriel Barbosa or others, Pedro, uh,
1: but also upper management change, like
0: like uh, like Braz.
1: I mean, this is exactly what we see from Brazil fans. You got to look in Flamengo's history and like five or 10 years ago, they were maybe in the level of Cruzeiro at the moment, maybe a team that isn't doing too well. And just because they've been performing in the Libertadores and performing in the Brasileirao in the cup lately. And now that they're getting bad results, now the whole fans sort of react. And I am not really a fan of that. And I could say the same thing about Santos. Maybe we see some fans reacting in ways that we don't like, but then in a couple of years from now, everything's going to change. So the best advice I can give to those fans is just wait, give the team some patience and show some, some patience because they deserve it. They did really well, especially last year and even four years ago when they won the Libertadores in 2019. So they have their heart have to be like bad years for every team. And I think Flamengo is currently going through that. And I believe next season they can definitely change that with their manager, with the players that they bring in, the players that they sell. And yeah, I think the season is pretty much over. All they got to do for now is at least qualify for Libertadores. And then everything they can sort of build up for next uh, year and see how everything can go from there.
0: Yeah. And I think, well, Certainly, they'll be though. Before they want to think about that, they'll be thinking about oh, the COVID of Brazil. But, um, uh, Endrick's already written them off. But, um, but uh, no, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, things can get stagnant. You know, they say a coach has a life shelf, uh, a shelf life. Excuse me. Um, but, you know, players can as well, and, and things are always changing around them, their life circumstances. These are not just, you know, robots or, or you know, um, code on FIFA. These are human beings. Um, and, you know, we've seen the the trials and tribulations of Pedro. Of course, Gabriel Barbosa is a volatile player and, a, um, you know, can be a dramatic player at times. Um, a lot of these guys, Bruno Henrique has been through a lot. Everton Haverro has been, you know, through a lot, a long career. So it's, it's, you know, they might be in need of a bit of a refresh and a retool. I think they're always, always, always a threat, Uh, but you're right. I mean, you got to have these kind of down years um, one, if only to appreciate the years where you're on top of the world. So uh, Flamengo fans, of course, overreacting in terms of, you know, attacking their coaches and, and managers and administrators but uh i think that probably there will be some dramatic changes um both in the roster makeup and the coaching staff and uh we'll have to see where it goes and it's just um flamengo uh you know it's it all is it's not as bad as it seems and also just looking at the table here they are in 7th but they're only th- four points away from second. So so again, yeah, not, not the worst thing. And uh, depending on how things go and who qualifies where, uh, they could even stay in seventh and still qualify for Libertadores' play-ins. So uh, not the end of the world. No need to attack your club president Flamengo supporters. Um, all right, but let's shift to their Rio rivals, who are red hot. Uh, again, a situation where you'd probably expect them to win one of these games, but against the other team, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Vasco in the Rio Derby, we talked about it in our last Brasileirão episode. Facing off against Fluminense, they defeat Fluminense, and they not only defeat them, they get four goals past them. Then they go ahead in match week twenty-four and put five more on the board. Nine goals in two games. They beat Coritiba in the second match, five-one uh just incredible i mean we've been rooting for them we want them to do well we like vasco da gama i think both of us um and they've really done a lot three wins in their last five games um their new signings i mean look if you look at the the list of goals here their new signings have been all over the place uh of course Vagetti has been incredible coming in from belgrano seven appearances six goals and one assist and then our old friend, we talked about him in the beginning of the pod, or uh, the beginning of the season, Gabriel Peck. He's back on fire. He was, I thought, was really good with Teixeira and um, uh, Pedro Jaúl in, in the Carioca. Uh, but now he's really connecting. Um, he's got, he scored three goals in these two games. Uh, he's got six goals total now. Uh, just Just absolutely, Vasco are really, really turning things around. Last seven matches here. Uh, last stat, and I'll let you have the floor, Enric, but uh, only one loss in the last seven, two draws, and four wins, and that record tells me that's not relegation material. I would assume that they will be, uh, if they can keep this up, of course, uh, entering that lower bottom half of the table and getting out of the relegation zone.
1: Yeah, and Vasco da Gama doing things completely different compared to what they did in the first round of matches, up to match week 19, I could say, and I even called this, I said that they have been doing so many things differently with transfers, selling their best players and bringing on some other players, despite maybe Payet not getting in the score sheet yet. But of course, you got other players scoring, like as you mentioned, Vegetti, three goals in their last two matches, Gabriel Peck as well, three goals in the last two matches. So really happy to see those players uh, score. but. It's getting at the point where, of course, we would like Vasco to escape. But then if there is a team that needs to go below us and there's no Bahia, no Goyas below Santos, then of course it has to be Vasco. And it's something that I don't really like. And I'm afraid about our next game. It's going to be against Vasco da Gama. And looking at how they have performed, who knows? Maybe they can do what Cruzeiro did last week, scoring three in Villa if not more. So we have to be really prepared for that game and yeah Vasco da Gama is doing a very good job so far scoring goals getting the three points but i don't i can't wish them too much luck at least not for now
0: yeah I, l- l- let me second that for sure we don't want them to do too well but uh if we had our preferences we'd like them to stay up and they're an exciting team now um also um i think that's uh their owners, 777 partners, deserve a little bit of credit. Uh, they're looking, it looks like, to buy Everton, I think, now. Um, and there's some trepidation about that. And people are pointing to Vasco um, as kind of a, a negative. Um, but I think they've turned it around here and they do deserve some credit. All of these successes really on the back of uh, a lot of their new players. And, of course, they have Payet who's coming in and, and being um, a, really a talisman for them. Uh, which is something very unexpected. All right, let's go on to an enigma of a team. Uh, Gremio sitting in third, of course. We've talked about them. Can't figure them out. They will lose one match to a club like Santos, and then they go and beat Palmeiras in in Match Week 24. Uh, Very confusing team, Uh, but despite that, they are obviously very good up in third place. Uh, But Enric, I think we need to push all of that aside because in the makeup match, match week 15 was one of the most sensational matches we've had this year. Uh, And it was shades. Again, we kind of we made maybe reference to this match one other time, the famous match uh, Santos four Flamengo five had shades of that and really could have been that exact scoreline um we had to make a match again corinthians 4 gremio four. just sensational stuff and this is exactly why we love brasilerao so surprising out of nowhere least of which because corinthians actually scored four goals
1: <laughs> yeah and what a game this was peter especially after we finished watching the bahia santos match we could just shift to this game and uh corinthians uh by that point, had already conceded two, two goals coming from Gamio in the first half by Natan and Cristaldo, uh, Cristaldo scoring a really cool header against Casio. But then, Corinthians turn everything around in the 45th minute, a penalty kick was awarded to Corinthians. Fabio Santos, the defender, scores for his team. And then you got Lucas Verissimo, uh, former Santos player, scoring his first professional goal for Corinthians. In great style, giving the equalizer right before halftime. But no, there was more action coming from Yuri Alberto, another Santos player. He gets the winner in the first half, which nobody, even the craziest Corinthians fans, would have even imagined. And what a game this was. You knew that in the second half, it would be similar as the first with a lot of goals when you see five, especially in the first half.
0: Yeah, and we've got to pat ourselves on the back here because this has Santos fingerprints all over the place. Verissimo and Yuri Alberto, both Menino de Villa. But it's crazy. I just wanted to jump in here. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. Uh, three goals in the 45th minute, according to uh, the score line, the score sheet. Uh, obviously, those coming in added time, but just really incredible. Uh, so the the first half finishes 3-2, but Gremio came surging
1: back. Yeah, they definitely did. Uh, in the, as soon as that second half started, Gremio thought, "Okay, if Corinthians can score three in six minutes, we can do the same thing. Maybe at least get one early in the second half." And that's exactly what they did with Everton Galgino. He equalized everything, and Luis Suarez in the fifty eighth he took the advantage for his for his team once again. for Grêmio, and then Giuliano gets the equalizer in the 67th. Unfortunately, we didn't see more goals. You talked about the uh, Santos-Flamengo match in 2011. This could have ended a similar way with Grêmio being denied a clear penalty kick after a handball by Yuri Alberto. I don't even know what VAR was doing there. There was not even a revision by the referee, so big mistakes. And you could argue that grammy were up three points but at the end you got a feel for both teams i think they both deserve to win they both deserve to lose so a, a, a tie at the end one point each uh, has to be a really good result and it's funny how this game was postponed and we had to wait like seven weeks or eight weeks more to see eight goals being scored in a single game and then Gremio, if they didn't score that against Corinthians, uh, at least they got the winner last night against Palmeiras. One goal was all they needed. And they got the three points against a tough rival in which they were demolished in the first game, I think 3-1 or 4-1. So I'm glad to see Gremio get the three points against a tough team and put Palmeiras down the table as much as possible. Yeah,
0: we definitely want that especially with uh with both the Fogo dropping two games in a way, uh, in a row excuse me um but yeah yeah what, what'd you make of that that penalty call because looking at it looks like that should have been a pen um just one of those things I mean we've talked about it a few times before sometimes it just feels like there's some person with the marionette thing pulling the strings. I don't really know what to say about that. You know, I, I just, it looked like a handball. I guess the deflection, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to say, Gremio fans. It's, it's it's just one of those unfortunate things, but I was just happy to see just the excitement of the match. And yeah, I think I tweeted at you or texted you or something. I just said, wow, this is after the Santos match too. What a night, what a night of football. And just again, Brazil, man, the best in the league. Uh, in the world, <laughs> best league in the world. Wow. Um, all right. So Gremio, yep. Getting that win over Palmeiras. Good stuff there. Uh, enric let's, uh, let's wrap up Brazil Série Syria with a few of the results here, Quiaba and America, uh, splitting the points, Cuiabá finally, um, halting their run of, uh, of losses there, that, uh, win streak, a loss streak. I mean, this team is the definition of streaky. Um, I just referenced it, Botafogo losing two in a row, meaning they also lost to Atletico Minero. Just the one goal in it, Paulinho, who's been so good this season, really one of the, the two lights at at, at Gallo uh, this season, uh, getting the winner uh, at home too. So that new stadium really is uh, is uh, effective um, so far. Uh, Botafogo, I was going to ask you, you know, are Botafogo in crisis? I don't think they're in crisis mode yet. Um, they're. Uh, we'll talk about it in a sec, but they'll they'll kick off uh, in match week 24 right after we wrap this pod up. Uh, Fluminense also winning against Cruzeiro. Lucas uh, Leo Fernandez, excuse me, insane goal, uh, really satisfying goal there. Um, I think Boa dropping to Bahia 4-2. Um, that result uh, keeping them just ahead of Santos. Uh, That was happening as Santos lost to Cruzeiro. So not that great. And if you want to just comb back and and have any uh, commentary on any of those matches, uh, the floor is now yours.
1: Well, talking about Botafogo, you asked about uh, them and potential chances of maybe winning this league. And you got to look at teams below them like Palmeiras. Uh, if Palmeiras had won last night, and if they had also won against Corinthians, which they drew zero zero three match weeks ago, Palmeiras would now have forty nine points, which is only two points below Botafogo. If let's say if Botafogo loses tonight against Corinthians, so uh, as much as I would say like to say that Botafogo will win this league, they're very close to choking it, and. I don't know, things don't seem like they're going well as they did in the, in the beginning rounds of the table. And if they don't win these games, especially tonight's match, it's going to look very tough for them and they'll have to go through a ton of work in the last 14 matches of the Brasileirao. There's so much that can change. And you even look at the table, there's four points that differ from seventh place Flamengo to the second place Palmeiras. So uh, it's crazy how this table works, and you go even lower, seven points, Uh, or no, yeah, everywhere. Even when you look at Syria B, for example, let's take another example like that, Vitoria with 52 points, Guarani and Sport Recife both have 50, and the gap between, let's say, first place and... 11th place is only 12 points and things can change dramatically within three or four weeks and i expect pretty much the same thing happened in the first division botafogo need to do an amazing job in the future and not let easy games go past them because they have to use every opportunity and get every possible point they can if they want to win this championship
0: yeah for sure and i think um you know it just takes a few matches for that lead to be eroded we're not even at a point where we're in the closing stages of the season, or even in sight, there's a lot of football left to play. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of nervous for Botafogo. I don't want them to feel any pressure. Um, They face Corinthians, like we said, in a matter of moments as we record this, Um, but they are playing away. Um, So I think they should beat them. I think they should beat them handily. Um, But uh, we'll see. Chiquinho Suarez hasn't looked the same since he came back from injury. Um and that's a little worrying as a lot of those matches, think back to the match against Palmaris in the beginning of the season. One nil, excuse me, one nil win um for Botafogo on the back of Chiquinho. He's he does it so frequently. And if he's not banging in goals, um, you know, it could be a little bit scarier. Uh, Diego Costa uh, is brought in, was brought in, uh, but uh, we'll see if he can get it done as well. Uh, so yeah, Botafogo, a little bit of nerves here. Uh, we'll see if they crack under the uh, the, the pressure or if they let. Um, you know the funny thing is you mentioned all of the teams that are com- so compact. Man, if they slip up, it might not just be Palmares that can catch them. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that could catch them, and they might, uh, you know, really just open the floodgates. So huge game for them. They need this win tonight. All right, Enric. Um, the table, like we've said, we've kind of commented on a lot of stuff here. But uh, really the big winner here, I see Ribble Bull Bragancino, sitting pretty in fourth place, 42 points, um, not too shabby. Fortaleza also in eighth. Uh, we've known they're, they're a very strong team um, and they look good. Flamengo slips to seventh, of course, but again, only four points separate them and Palmeiras in second place. So uh, anything else uh, standing out to you?
1: Yeah and again tonight's game Corinthians Botafogo will be rooting for a Botafogo win and if in case, in case that happens then Santos will be only 3 points away from Corinthians which is the 14th spot so maybe we can use that as an opportunity to get out of the relegation zone and hopefully things look good for us in the future. Uh, other than that we had Serie D final stages uh the one or two week ago two weeks ago uh in the semifinals uh Ferroviária played against Athletic Club. They uh, won 2-1 to one away from home. And Ferroviario uh, got the job done against Cachillas, winning 1-0, sending it 2-1 on aggregate. And these two teams with a very similar name played in the final. Ferroviario 2, Ferroviaria 1. Uh, in case people listening to us don't know, uh, our former guest in Smoking Snake podcast, Thomas Freitas, works for ferroviaria so we were kind of rooting for them to win this uh fourth division championship in brazil but unfortunately they didn't uh they conceded very early and although equalizing right before halftime they conceded as soon as the second half started so unfortunate loss for them but at least they are qualified to the third division of next year alongside ferroviario Caxias, and athletic club so I'm excited to see what these teams can bring to the table and maybe if they can even make the jump up to the second division for the following year.
0: Yeah, yep, absolutely. And anything that Thomas Freitas touches, obviously we are rooting for him and that team. So unfortunately, they came up a little bit short, but uh, still great to have them uh, in the final and, of course, progressing to to the third division. Um, all right, Enric. Kind of a hodgepodge week of, uh, of of fixtures coming up here, but we do have a lot of football to be played, uh, not necessarily in the most um, – in the in a way that makes a lot of sense. But uh, as we mentioned, uh, we don't know the, – they're just kicking off now. Corinthians and Botafogo kicking off, um, and tomorrow we've got Atarco Manero facing Cuiabá to round out uh, match week 24 uh, of the Brasileirao. Um, we, of course, got Copa do Brazil final coming up as well. Uh, match week 15 on Monday. Uh, another makeup match, America versus Vasco. Another great opportunity for Vasco to grab three points there. Man, that's that'll be huge. Humongous. I believe that would get them out of the relegation zone. Um, I could be wrong, though. Um, and then Sao Paulo later in the week on Wednesday versus Corey Chiba again, makeup match, uh, 22nd or excuse me, match rate 22. Um, that's that's going to be um, another good game. Uh, and we'll see if Sao Paulo can, uh, can do anything, especially with uh, the Copa de Brazil.
1: Definitely. And as of course, we talked about Vasco, a win will take them, of course, out of the relegation zone. But that's why in this match, I would hope. For America to either win or draw this game, so at least not for now. I want Sandos to get out of the relegation zone first by three or four spots, and then if Vasco can do it, let it be it. But other than that, we have Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana semifinals. Fluminense will be playing against Internacional, the Boca Juniors uh, against Palmeiras, uh, LDU Quito against Defensa Justicia, and also the game that you mentioned earlier, Corinthians Fortaleza. Uh, Fortaleza have been in a very hot run lately and they even beat Corinthians uh, in the in their last game so I think something the opposite direction will happen here and we're going to see either Corinthians win or tie and I won't be too surprised if that happens. Uh, last time they played in the stadium was a 1-1 uh, draw after Corinthians match and I believe match week 7 or 8 in the Brasile So yeah, I think Corinthians will look forward to do the opposite of what happened last week and aim to win this game. All right. Yeah. And,
0: and just to be clear that, that Fluminense versus Inter match is on Wednesday, uh, the following day on Thursday, Boca play Palmeiras, um, Sudamericana Tuesday is the match uh, for Corinthians and Fortaleza. And Wednesday is uh, Liga de Quito versus Defensa y Justicia. So uh, that is the kind of, um, patchwork uh grouping of matches this week but a lot of really exciting stuff oh man i cannot wait for the continental competitions uh it's going to be great and of course like i said sunday copa de brazil final it's always great when a trophy gets awarded and i think uh for our uh, our good friend mauricio Destri, i think we might be in uh sao paulo's corner um but uh sounds strange to say as santos supporters but uh but we'll, we'll have to see all right Enric, great episode great to be back. Uh, thanks everyone for listening Uh, have a great night